Hey, it's another Thursday here in the conversation studio, Outspoken Opinionated. I want to say welcome to another episode, um, another episode of the second season of the conversation, Outspoken Opinionated. Today, we're going to be having a great conversation on men's mental health. We're asking you guys to, you can come in, you can send in your comments and all that stuff. Well, first of all, before we start, if you had not gone to YouTube, we're asking you to go to YouTube, subscribe to The Conversation Outspoken and Opinionated. Go to Facebook, follow us, The Conversation Outspoken and Opinionated. Go to Instagram, like us, follow us, do all that good stuff. We are actually on Spotify now. So I ask you guys to go ahead to Spotify, download us, listen to our prior um, conversations that we've had with some amazing guests. Again, we're asking you guys, if you have not had the opportunity to go and get a vaccine for COVID, we're asking you to consider it, to think about it, really think about it. If you aren't, we're asking you to be safe, um, stay uh, six feet away from people, wash your hands, wear your mask, Whatever it is that you're doing to protect yourself and protect your family, we're asking you to do that. But we're asking that as one person do protect themselves, we can protect the world, we can protect the countries we're in, we're protect the cities, villages, wherever we're from. So again, we're asking you to please go ahead, um, do your research. And if taking a vaccine is something that you don't want to do, we're asking you to just be safe. Um, you know, um, stay indoors or do whatever it is that you can do to protect yourself. But we are having a conversation today and I have somebody all the way from Australia. He's going to explain that part because apparently we're, I don't even know what to say, but hey guys, I'm going to invite Lee Cohen who's going to come in here and give us an, we're going to have a great conversation. And why I had this conversation is because I, um, a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed as manic depressant. Um, my situation basically started from internal to outward. I was having so many things um, battling me at the same time. Uh, my relationship, uh, 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 my job, I had a son. I mean, so many things are happening at the same time. And I just literally lost it. And when I say how I lost it, this story is crazy. But guys, I tell you, I was driving on the beltway. This lady cut me off and I broke down and started to cry. And I didn't know why I was crying, but I was just crying. And I couldn't understand why. And I called my friend and I said, look, something's weird happening to me. Like I've driven for how many years and someone just cut me off and I'm crying. She said, I'm going to hang up with you right now, but I need you to go to, she sent me an address. I need you to go there and meet me there. She's a psych nurse. And so they literally, she literally helped me guide me guiding me through the process and everything and of course i went to therapy i did my work and today i can say that it is a lifestyle because there are times where i do you know that place come up but i don't want to give it too much so i'm going to bring lee cohen in and he is going to be with us hey lee how are you good yourself Edmund. i am I am super, super, super amazing. I'm super excited to have you here on the conversation. This is so great because um, you are from another part of the world. So where are you? Where are you right now? I'm from another bloody planet. So I'm in a little country town of Australia called Ballina. Okay. Ballina is in New South Wales. It is about a seven hour drive from Sydney. So everyone knows Sydney. Um, if you don't know Sydney, then I don't know what's wrong with you. 
Um, but yeah, I've been in this little country town for about six months now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a nice place. It's got beaches. You know, I go out for a walk to the beach and I look at the whales migrating up and down the north and south coast. Oh. It's just a spectacular place. So if you ever do get a chance to come to Australia, I would say, come and visit me. I am going to come. I'm going to hold you <laughs> on to that. But again, thank you so much for just taking the time to just be with us. Um, like um, I realized that it's another day already. So you're already in Friday and we're still in Thursday. So That's right. It is just amazing. But can you just tell the people who you are and what you do? Excellent. So I travel to you from the future. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so my name is Lee and I'm the founder of Men's Mental Health Australia Incorporated. So that is a non-for-profit organization that I have just recently uh, started up. Uh, so with that, you know, I'm still working on some of the nitty gritties and still, you know, trying to get people to help with donations and subscriptions and things like that so I can start getting more money so I'm not spending my own money to be able to support men. Uh, but I also run a worldwide uh, Facebook page called Men's Mental Health, um, which you're a, a member of the group. Um, and I have had that group since 2017 slash 18. And I formed that group because, like you, I was diagnosed uh, with a mental illness. Um, so I was diagnosed with PTSD. Okay. Um, not even knowing, you know, what was going on with my brain, with my mind or anything like that. Um, but, you know, my story is a bit different to yours. So prior to being diagnosed with PTSD, um, I was in a relationship that was really toxic. The person that I was in a relationship with is bipolar. Um, so, you know, his mental health issue, my mental health issue caused me to have a massive breakdown tried to kill myself, got admitted to hospital, and that's where I was diagnosed with PTSD. Felt I had no one to talk to, felt that my family wouldn't understand, so I just jumped online, started talking to complete strangers, and that's where I come up with the concept of creating a group for men's mental health and men only. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I think it's, oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's just the, just um, the fact that you've able to share your story with us and just giving us the opportunity into your world because you know sometimes we don't um, people for people who are listening for me it's like you think your story is unique until you hear somebody else and be like oh okay I understand that oh yeah that relates to me and I think that's why the Facebook page the Facebook group is really amazing for me because I was able to connect with men from all over the world where we can just share share thoughts and I'm going I'm having a bad day today. And I can say something to someone and be like, oh yeah, it'll be okay. I had that similar day yesterday and you know you can do this and do that. And we've yeah. many want to give each other pointers on certain things that we can do to help us and stuff like that. So that has been great. Um how have you been with COVID? Because I know for me COVID was a it was a trigger. So how were you able to cope with COVID? Well, I've been lucky because I'm an essential worker. Oh, okay. um, so an essential worker meaning that I don't have to lock down, that I've still got to go to work. So um, when COVID first hit, I was working um, in the disability sector with people that had disabil uh, disabilities. Mm -hmm. 
And then um, I kind of struggled, um, you know, to continue doing that and also upkeeping my own mental health. Um, so I then um, changed roles once I moved from Sydney to Ballina. Um, and so I now, I decided that I didn't want any pressures or anything like that. So I changed my role to manage a cafe, which I'm now managing two cafes. Okay. Um, in Ballina, we have had no issues. However, as of Tuesday just gone, we have been in a seven-day lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you know, when that when we were first told, we, we were given an hour's notice of the lockdown. Um, wow. So, so there was no time to prepare. So, you know, I started to kind of worry for my employees that, that I manage and the business that I manage and try to figure out what we could do to help the employees so they had money coming in and also continue to keep the business open for um, our customers. Uh, so so with that, um, we decided to reduce hours so our staff members were still getting funds, still being able to pay their bills and do what they need to do. Um, but I kind of felt a bit weird within myself um, because I had not experienced lockdown before, didn't know what to expect, didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so it, it rattled me a bit, but it wasn't until I actually decided that during this lockdown I could actually do things at home that would help my mind space and help me get out of any sad or any emotional spaces that I was in during lockdown. So what I've decided to do in my lockdown is renovate. Don't know anything about it. I'm just doing it. And throughout the renovation, I've contacted my electrician and I'm like, I've done something you need to come and help. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because you're not the only one. So we are also building a deck. We decided to build a floating deck <laughs> in the back of our yard. And if I tell you the pressure that we've had, I don't even understand. Today I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with that. <laughs> if this deck I go up, I can't do this no more. But so exactly. we are, are going to um, have a conversation um, on a topic that people normally don't talk about. Um, I think um, the stigma of men um, having mental health issues isn't talked about, and especially coming from me, being from, like I said, I, evidently I am originally from Liberia, West Africa, but then in the African community, African-American community in the States over here, we don't talk about men, mental health. Yep. Um, it's yep. just another rug and people just, you just move on. And so, but I want to ask you, you already gave us a story behind, you know, why you decided to do, um, to create this men's mental health um, organization in Australia, but how does mental health affect men differently? I think with mental health, so like you, uh, people don't realize, but I'm actually uh, Indigenous. Um, I'm, I'm Aboriginal. And... From Tasmania, which is a small small island um, right at the end of Australia. Um, and with that, growing up being Indigenous, again, that's something that was never spoken about, something that was never encouraged to do. 
Um, so I'm finding that we need to break the stigma and need to get men to realize and understand that it is okay to speak about your mental health. It is okay to speak about your feelings. And I think the biggest issue with that is men feel ashamed. They yeah. feel like that they're weak if they're not, or, or they're weak if they do talk about their mental health issues um, because men have grown up to be the stronger person out of any relationship. Um, and they feel that, you know, their wives are constantly going through their up and downs and, you know, their wives generally have their menstrual periods and things like that, which then bring on all the emotions. Where with men, they've got to take on these emotions and they have to be the strong person and they have to then build their wives back up or build their children back up. Mm -hmm. They have to be the brawn of the family. So I think that the biggest issue with that is getting men to understand that they're not alone in this, but if they do have a bad day, accept that bad day because they're not weak because every single person on the planet has a bad day. And I think that's the biggest issue is trying to encourage men that they're not weak, that, you know, there are people out there to help them, that they shouldn't be ashamed because they're going through a hard life in their, uh, a hard period in their life because everyone goes through a hard period in their life. So, so it's important to understand that you as a man, me as a man, we're not weak because we have emotions. We're not weak because we cry. We're not weak because there's days that we just don't want to get out of bed. So we just lay in bed for hours and hours and, and start, um, you know, thinking about things that's happened to us in our past, which then drags us back down and then trying to struggle to get out of that process. Mm -hmm um yeah and that's that is i like the way you put it because you know there is this there is this myth that you know the risk there are mental health um there are a specific group of people who are at risk and so i just want us to talk about this because when we're looking at mental health who is at risk is it the black man the white man is it the straight man the gay man the single man the married man um who who is at risk well, I don't think we can pinpoint one one particular, you know, one particular men or group. I think every group is at risk in regards to having mental health and not knowing when the mental health uh, issue is going to hit them. Um, but if we were to categorize groups, I think the ones the the, the groups that generally have more mental health more mental health issues would be the gay community and the black men um because they're different they're 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 completely different they look different they act different they do different things to what we perceive as the norm and so therefore they're copying a lot more race and discrimination and and you know they're they're not being treated as a normal well there's no such thing as normal but then you know they're, they're not being treated as people would perceive a straight white male that has a wife and kids would be treated um so i i think that you know the the biggest issues groups the, the biggest groups that have the issues would generally be the gay community followed by the colored community because 
as I said, they're different and, and people don't understand, um, you know, what they've gone through in their life to get to where they are today or they don't understand what they're currently living with and and how they're no different to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's a great point because I think um, people who... I think there are a lot of, I think for me, I just feel it's like, you know, everyone has some sort of mental health issue. Mm-hmm. There is something going on there. I mean, and until it starts to manifest itself and you realize that, oh, shoot, like I should be taking care of myself. I should have a mean day. I should oh, be do all that stuff. And when you're not doing that stuff for you, that's when these things start to come up. But what are the most, um, is there a way to prevent mental is there a way to prevent mental health issues or mental health disease is there a way i don't think there's a way to prevent it okay but like if it's there it's there like everyone's going to have their own thoughts and everyone's going to go through experiences differently so you know for instance my mother passed away 13 years ago Um, I hadn't seen her for two years because I'd been traveling overseas. And when I came back, I saw her the day prior to her passing away. Um, And with that, it affected me differently than it affected my siblings. So so I don't think that, um, you know, there's anything in particular that's that's going to stop people from getting it. It's Mm -hmm. more so if you do get some type of experience in the mental health field such as you're feeling sad for a week or you're feeling really anxious or you're always tired these are some of the things to look out for in regards to what you're experiencing but also looking at what you can do to help yourself deal with what's going on rather than ignoring it and pretending that nothing is wrong does, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. And I let you say that because I actually have something. I, I have another question I was going to ask you pertaining to that. You know, uh, what are the, are there any common mental health signs that you have seen in men? Are there common signs when it comes to men with mental health, uh, uh, mental health issues? Oh, de- definitely, definitely. So, you know, I've got a lot of friends that, that have um, mental health issues. And some of the signs we have is, you know, they don't want to leave their house. So they're happy to sit on the couch and watch TV. And I think the reason they watch TV, and this is something that I used to do myself, is I used to watch a lot of those Disney shows like iCarly and, you know, all those type of things. Um, And as I was watching it, I could kind of envision myself in that life. And that would make me feel happy pretending to kind of be in the life of this show that I was watching. So I feel that, you know, if there is someone that is constantly staying at home and they're constantly watching TV or, you know, listening to the music, that this is a sign that we need to look out for because they don't want to leave their home. Um, Another sign would be that, you know, you're asking people to come out with you or you're asking people to, you know, go for a walk or whatever and they continue to say no. And, you know, they could be so close to you but but still continue to say no. So, again, they're too scared to go out and they're too scared to, you know, see the public because they may feel that 
the public are looking at them at a different way than they would look at someone who potentially doesn't have mental health issues. Mm. Um, another one is if they're, if someone is tired all the time and they just want to sleep and, you know, they've, they've got no made motivation whatsoever. Um, if someone is crying all the time or, or feeling sad all the time. Um, but a big one that is really hard to pick up on is if someone is really over the top with who they are. So someone that forever cracks jokes or someone that is forever laughing, even when things aren't as funny as what we what we would perceive them as being. Um, it's, it's someone that could be an overly uh, extrovert that they feel that they have to act a certain way so people don't see that they're actually emotional and sad and inside they're, they're not wanting to, to be out and about. And so so the, they would be the, the major signs to look at. And that was mine. I was extra, extra, extra. I was like extra. And so, you know, I was always laughing and happy and all that kind of stuff. And so when stuff started to happen to me, people were like, huh? There's something wrong with you like really like you're sad like what why are you depressed like why can't yep. you be depressed you have a great life and i'm just like yeah because i painted this picture and painted this life that everybody thought was real but it wasn't so in order to keep up with that i have to do certain things so you guys so it was it's just and i think because of me going through that i can sense when i have friends who are going through that so i'm like we need to talk what's going on oh definitely and and yeah. i was the same way so you know when I was younger, I'd go into a club and every single person would know me in the club because uh -huh. I was just completely out there. I was such an extrovert and I wanted to know everyone and I wanted everyone to know me and I wanted, you know, everyone to be happy. So I would be the person that would make people laugh just so they felt happy. Whether or not I felt happy, it was more so about me trying to make other people feel happy, knowing that by me perceiving that I'm really happy, people aren't going to ask me the question, are you okay? Why are you sad? Why are you not as bubbly as you used to be? Yes. So I used to constantly, you know, keep this thing up where I was constantly over the top and bubbly and always the loudest and, you know, wanted to be, you know, the life of the show, the party and, and stuff like that. And it wasn't until I realized that I didn't need to be that way. I needed to actually be myself and people would just draw to me if they wanted to. But I've said, I but let's 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 um, talk about that. But when you decided to actually be yourself, because I put myself in there, I know that when I decided to be myself and set up these healthy boundaries that's going to help my mental health, then I really lost some people. Yep, yep, me too, me too. And the way that I I've always looked at life is people come and go throughout your life. Mm -hmm. You're always going to you're like a revolving door. You're always going to have these people that come and go from your life, and the um, you know these people that go from your life that for me it generally means that i've learned as much as i could potentially learn from that person i need to put what i've learned from that person into use whether it's good or bad and then i need to move on to the next lot of people that i need to learn stuff from or they need to learn stuff from me mm. um but but yeah i as, as i said i used to have many and many of friends and i think now i can count on one hand the amount of of people that i associate myself with um not saying that my old friends are no longer my friends because i still try and talk to them and still try and keep in contact with them 
Um, but, you know, there's things happened in my life that I potentially wouldn't talk to them about because I would got a new group of friends that, mm-hmm. you know, I would prefer to talk to them about because I've not spoken to these people in such a long time about, you know, my personal life. Yeah, and I get that. And I think, um, so I think when you move, it's a new, I think this is what I look at as, I looked at it as, it's a change. It's a new change. You have discovered who you are because once you accept, and I might be wrong, you can correct me, but I believe that once you accept that you do have whatever mental issue it is, you have to do the work where you understand yourself, you know your triggers, you know the things that are going on with your body and how to deal with it and all that kind of stuff. And so you definitely have to set up healthy boundaries because sometimes there are some friends who can bring some triggers. Oh, definitely. definitely. And so you have to cut them out because you realize that there are some some hurt or some uh, um, issues that you have with certain people that you just like, this is just going to drive me crazy and I can't do this no more. Exactly. And and, and yeah. I, I completely agree with you because I've, I've done that. You know, I've had people that have been a downer in my life and they've caused my um, depression and anxiety to, to skyrocket. So, you know, like you, I've set these healthy boundaries because I've been able to understand my body and understand what my triggers are um and with that you know to this day i still have days where i wake up and i just cry for no reason um but i then go back and i think about you know why am i crying what has triggered me and i kind of remove that from from my thoughts and start thinking about something else that i need to think about because the past triggers i don't need to think about anymore exactly Uh and I think that's the that's the part where they said someone told me that it's a journey. It becomes your lifestyle. It is what it is. You yeah. learn how to live with it. You learn how to cope with it. And then, of course, there are people who don't understand that. So now what I have become is like I just see people and people do certain things. I'm just like, um, you're probably going through stuff and you're trying to project that on me. And I'm not going to accept that. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And and that's what it's about. It's you know, it's, it's not only about, you know, noticing your own triggers and noticing what's going on with your body, but also recognizing this stuff in other people so you can, you know, assess whether or not you're going to stay in that person's life and be friends with them or whether or not you need to distance yourself from them just to protect your, your own men- mental health. Yep. And so as we're talking about that, I want to ask you, when do you think it's the right time for someone to see a doctor or a therapy? Anytime. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I don't think that there's a wrong time. Okay. So if, if you feel that you are feeling a bit down in the dumps or if you're feeling a bit unwell, whether it be mentally or physically, I feel that you should go and, and see a doctor. And, and when you do see a doctor, don't be ashamed to open up. Go and speak to your doctor. And, you know, if you're feeling sad, say to the doctor, I don't know what's going on, but I'm feeling sad all the time. What do I need to do? Um, and then the doctor will, you know, say to you, that they will I be here in Australia? They do something which is called a mental health plan. So um, they ask you a range of, I think it's about 15 questions. Um, and the questions are, you know, the answers are sometimes, often, always, or never. Um, and depending on the answers that you put in this questionnaire, will then a certain uh, 
are certain whether or not the doctor feels that you might have some type of mental health um, problems. And if that's the case, then the doctor will refer you to a psychologist or a counselor or whatever. But, you know, I feel that every single person needs to have that counselor type person in their life because you're not going, your life's not going to be smooth sailing all the time. There's always someone that you need to talk to. So if, if that's the case, I would say talk to that person or talk to someone that you need to talk to. Even if you're feeling good, still talk to someone and, and share these emotions that you have with someone. Um, so in answering your questions, you know, anyone at any time should go and see a GP, counsellor or psychologist, psychiatrist. And so with just being said, I know for me, I immediately went, got a therapist and I, I think that was the best six, best a year and six months of my life because mm -hmm. I had the time to really say what I wanted to say and there was no judgment. Yep. I could say whatever I wanted to say. She sat there, she listened, but she also gave me tools for me to deal with my emotions because yes. I didn't know how I, I, my emotions were all over the place. Yep. yep. I would be happy one moment, then I'm sad another moment, then I'm frustrated, then I'm screaming. I was doing all kinds. And so I had to learn how to deal with that. And so some was especially for me who being someone who always liked to be in control, it was very weird for me because one moment I'm happy, I'm sad. But therapy really helped me to find my wholeness. I don't know if that's a thing, but I was able to really find myself, who I really was, my authentic self. Where is it that, um, and that's why I want to ask you, because I feel like you, you know, starting an organization and with men, this is something that men don't do. We don't share our stuff. We just keep it in and bottle it in. So if for men who are watching and coming from you, what is the strategy that we can do or men can start doing to help them to really relieve some of these emotions that they do have bottled up in them? Talk. That's what it's about. So, you know, a lot of people, and, and you've probably, you know, read a lot of the posts in, in the mental health group that I've got is, a lot of the men's are like, I don't want to go and see a psychologist, counselor, or psychiatrist because I don't want them to judge me. Yes. So straight away, men are feeling that they're judged just by talking about what's going on in their brain and what's going on in, the, in their lives. But I guess we need to understand that these trained professionals are not there to judge you. They're there to help you realize what's going on within your brain and help you come up with mechanisms to be able to control any future outbursts or any future thoughts or feelings that you have. So, you know, at no stage should, should someone feel that um, they're going to be judged by a psychologist, counsellor or whoever they talk to. Um, and at no stage should guys feel like that they can't trust these people that they're talking to because they've they've got a, a code of conduct that they're not allowed to discuss what's going on with you with you to anyone else without your permission. Um, so with with that, it's it's 
don't be afraid to, to seek help. Don't be afraid to get that support because a lot of the times you'll find that the techniques that you're given to help you control what's going on, they will actually work. Mm-hmm. And that's what these people have been trained to do is to help you come up with these techniques, help you come up with ideas and ways um, on how you can cope. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to sit there and give you your answers. They're going to sit you uh, sit there. They're going to make you think about what's going on and then direct you to come up with the answer on yourself. So, so they're a support in regards to helping you find the solution and helping you find the answer. And, and you know, some, some people, even myself, you go to a, a counsellor or a psychologist and you don't feel that you mesh well with that person. That's okay. They get that everyone's going to see one, two, three, four counsellor, psychologists before they find one to mesh. So if you don't find one that you feel that you mesh with, just let that psychologist or counsellor know that you're not feeling it and you need to move on to someone else. But but do that quickly rather than just saying, oh, I'm not going to go and then, you know, letting it lie and, and, and not having to, you know, go back to anyone because it didn't work out the first time. Just like medications, um, you know, not one medication is going to, to fit every single person. Um, so you have to try different medications to figure out which one's going to work for you best. And it could take three or four different types of medications before yeah. you find the medication that actually works for you. So, you know, my, I, I would just say, you know, don't be afraid to talk up. Go on, go on, go on, see a doctor, go and see a counselor or a psychologist. Mm. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, you're only human. And humans go through emotions just like you would go through an emotion if someone in your life was close to you and passed away. Um, It's exactly the same thing. You're just going through the emotions because you feel that you need to go through those emotions at that time. And I like how you said that with the whole part of finding, uh, finding a therapist or psychologist and stuff like that, that really match with you. And I know for me, that was an issue. I know when I first talked to somebody, I said, I want I was like, I want a black woman. And they're like, why do you want a black woman? I said, because when I'm talking to that therapist, I'm really envisioning her as my mom. Because that's the person where I could say anything to. Yep. You know, I was really op- I'm really open with my mom and I can be really honest with my mom because we have that honest relationship. And so I need some, I said, I said, I need someone who is going to be open, either to be middle-aged, either to be a black woman. Because there'll be times where I just felt like I needed that black woman to really guide me. And like you said, there was no, like, you go ahead and do this. There was no, okay, so how can we work together to help you with your emotions? So yes. how can we work together to help you to do this? And so, you know, I will come with all these things. People are doing this to me and doing that to me and da, 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 And she was like, okay, so what part did you play in it? I'm like, I ain't do nothing. They're attacking me. She's like, No. They can't just look at you and attack you. Why are they attacking you? What's going on? And so, you know, you, those things, it's like it's broken down. And I think for me, it was like it took me back to being a young kid where there are issues that I didn't deal with as a young boy where she was helping me to deal with it now as an adult. Yep. 
And so it's really like what you said earlier, it's really, really important that people do, like men do find uh, whomever it is that they're going to share, that they're comfortable with, that they can have a real conversation with. And you're right, there's no judgment. They're not judging you. That's their job. They're getting paid for it. Let's be honest. They're getting paid for it. And so with they, they're not there. They don't, do you know how many people they see a day that they're going to worry about your situation? But still in the um, in that mindset, um, we they have this thing. So I have an eight year old. He plays football, and of course you have to be tough. Ooh, and everybody's yelling on the field and screaming and something. And there are eight year olds, and of course if they fall and hit their leg, they cry. And then someone is screaming, "You don't cry!" No, and I was like, "No, he's eight. That is the best emotion." The best way for him to share his emotion, the hurt emotion, is for him to cry. Oh, definitely. definitely. Trust me, when he becomes a teenager, he's not going to cry. Now, if he cries as a teenager because he hurt himself, then we're going to be like, okay, so what's going on? But how can we really, really get people out of that mindset of guys are supposed to be tough and you're not supposed to cry? And if you cry, you're a sissy. And you're like, how can we really, really? Because with you having a men's mental health, organization i think that's something that's gonna come up where it's like okay so how do we tell these guys it's okay if you're not tough and you can cry and i think i think that's the biggest struggle that that we we're having at the moment is teaching people especially men that let your children cry let your children go through these emotions especially if you have not you know, being brought up to show emotions and, and, you know, you've always been taught that you need to hold everything inside because you're the strong man. Um, so, so that's the million dollar question is what can we as a whole do to encourage the younger generation to show their emotions, but allowing the younger generation's parents to allow them to show their emotions and, I guess it's going to come down to education. Um, the more the more education we we provide, the more we know about what's going on in people's minds and people's lives. It's then going to help break the stigma of men not being able to show the emotions. So, um, you know, it's it's about continuing to do what both you and I do, have conversations about mental health, um, talk to people about, you know, what's going on in their lives, saying to, to men, it's okay, you can cry. I'm here for you if you want to cry on my shoulder. It, it is okay to cry. Um, and I think the biggest thing is, as I said, education, educating men that... We all don't have to be this tough guy. We all have problems going on in our lives. You know, as I refer back to the funerals, if someone passes away, you're at a funeral, you're not going to hold all your tears in. Mm -hmm. You're going to cry because that's part of grieving. Um, and, you know, you've got seven emotions that you go through when you are grieving. Um, just like when you're growing up, you've got thousands of emotions that you need to learn and experience. And... It's as simple as letting the young generation learn these emotions and show these emotions, uh, but teaching them 
what's acceptable in regards to these emotions. So, you know, in that I'm saying if you're out shopping in a mall and someone, you know, accidentally kicks your foot or something like that, um, the emotion that someone would normally have there would be anger. So they could potentially start yelling and screaming. Yes. But we need to teach the younger generation in a mall like that, you wouldn't start yelling or screaming at someone because you're angry. You would simply accept their apology, walk away and forget that. Um, so so when I say educate, educating the younger generations on when to use their emotions, that's the type of example I'm talking about in regards to using your emotions. So, you know, accepting certain things that's out of your control and walking away from the situation rather than sitting or standing in that mall, yelling and screaming at someone that's potentially accidentally kicked your foot as you've walked past them. Um, yeah, so so just education. I like you say that because we had another episode, again, the whole, the kids playing football. These are seven-year-olds. When I said they're having fist fights, there are like five fist fights. And then one of the parents said, Oh, you know, that is why they're in sports because they're gonna they need to get the anger out. And I'm like, they're seven. What are they angry about? That they need to be fighting. And so that's where that conversation came in. And for me, it was like, have you sat your eight-year-old down and asked him, hey, why are you mad? Like, what's going on? Because I'm not looking at the seven-year-old, I'm looking at the parents. What is going on at home that this child is this angry that he thinks he needs to be beating up his friends on the football field? Definitely. And so when you talk about education, I think that is where we start. How can we start these conversations with parents for them to see like, okay, your child, your daughter or your son, your son especially, is acting up. He like throwing tantrums at school, he's flipping tables, he's cursing at people. How can we deal with that? How can he help me to tune his emotions? Be like, okay, when you say you can't cry, but you know, let's work on it. You can just cry for everything. Yeah, when you want something, and that's something I tell my son, when you want something, you don't need to cry. Because if you cry, I'm not going to give it to you. Like, yep. Why are you crying? So, I like you said, education and how we need to really, really differentiate between anger and uh, I'm happy or, you know, you're angry and then you're happy. Like, how can we differentiate between that so the kids, even though we say, yeah, express your emotions, you can cry, but don't cry too much. Like, how can we really do that? <laughs> Well, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll, use, I'll use that example you gave me of your son. If mm -hmm. he can't have something, he cries. Um, I guess that's where we need to teach our kids that, you know, at this period, yes, you're feeling sad, but it's not a cry period. It's a disappointment period. So instead of crying, why don't you just walk off and accept the answer that you've been given and be disappointed with daddy saying no because there's really no reason to cry at this period where if you hurt yourself you're feeling sad because you've hurt yourself so that allows you to be able to cry and at the same time because you've hurt yourself you're feeling angry so by crying that's going to release this anger rather than you yelling and screaming um, so it's as, as a parent and, and I'm not a parent, so I, I can't say what's right or wrong or anything like that. But I think 
education as a parent is using that example that I've given you and explaining to your child what what their emotions are and you know if if they're crying let the kid have a little bit of a cry but then once they're finished say look okay so why did you cry and the kid will probably say because you said no and then you'll be okay so in this period you shouldn't cry because daddy said no you should feel upset because you're disappointed that daddy said no because you really wanted this but it's about you know and and then you can say to your child so if you're feeling disappointed you come up to daddy and you give daddy a reason why you're feeling disappointed and then daddy might change his his answer to a yes rather than you going off crying which is going to make daddy not give it to you anyway because you've got no reason to cry does that all make sense yeah it makes sense it, it makes sense and i think it's all about like you said i think for oh now i was having a conversation with somebody the other day i said i think for my son and the generation after him it's going to be all about conversation like you yes. can't raise your voice at them you can't impose your rights on them it's like everything you got to talk about it like my son basically that's why he said okay so daddy can we talk about this why are you doing this so you literally have to explain everything when i was growing up i didn't explain anything let's go yes ma'am and i follow now it's like i don't want to go why do i have to go why do i need to be there so you have to explain to them and i think that's where this whole um where i was talking earlier about the whole anger thing comes in it's like why are these kids angry what's going on how can we have this conversation with these young men to say hey um sir because that's where it turns into where people are fist fighting and doing all this crazy stuff is because they didn't deal with the issues when they were young the anger has piled up and so now you just Rare, and then he may he get out the car and he start punching you and you're like dude like what's going on like why are yep. you so mad and i think that's what it is it's like you see all these people are so angry you're like why are they so angry like didn't you play as a kid like you didn't release relieve your stress and i think that's what it is and so i go back to you again and i ask you so how can we be of assistance to these angry grown men who are who did not deal with the anger at three-year-old teach them other ways to to release that anger so instead of getting in a fist fight if you're feeling angry go for a run if you're feeling angry do some push-ups if you're feeling angry go and punch the the boxing bag don't don't punch someone else so so it's about finding other ways that you can actually release your anger so for me if if i get you know really anxious and then you know i start to get angry with myself because i've got no reason to be anxious um i like to listen to music so what i'll do is i'll put music on and i'll just sing it out not that i'm a, a great singer or anything like that um you know um often i like to tell people that i've got a good voice it's just a passage that comes out of it's a bit rough um but but yeah so you know there's the things that i do to release that anger and that's you know singing as loud as i can sing or you know dancing stupidly in the lounge room or the living area um to to music that i enjoy until i feel that that anger has been released so so it's about educating these men that there are other ways to be able to release your anger without taking it out on someone else because you'll find that if you start to take your anger out on someone that person's going to retaliate mm -hmm. and that's where you're going to end up with this great big fight happening right in front of you.
Exactly. Um, so, you know, it's not only teaching the person that's angry to release their anger in, in other ways, but also teaching the person that if someone is taking their anger out on them to not retaliate, but to walk away from the situation. And, you know, once things might have calmed down, try and talk to the person about the situation and what happened and, and try and resolve it. And as much as we all want, as, as a lot of the models say when they're in these model competitions, mm. world peace, yeah. Um, as, as much as we all want to try and get that, it's, it's never going to happen. But, you know, the conversation needs to start in regards to why you're so angry. What other things can you do to not be angry? So, you know, let's go for a run. Let's go for a ride. Let's go for a walk. And you'll find that, you know, if you're walking with, so the statistics are that if you're walking beside someone, conversations will fro uh, will flow more freely than if you're sitting at a bar having a drink or if you've got a lot of distractions around you. Wow. So so if you do have a friend that's angry, um, just ask a friend to go for a walk. And it, it doesn't have to be, you know, a massive walk or it doesn't have to be, um, you know, something that needs to be done quickly. Uh, but just a nice little walk, whether it be around the block or through nature or on the beach or, or wherever you want to go for a walk, just ask that person to go for a walk and, and then you'll find that the conversation will start to flow and men will open up a bit more. Um, and, you know, while you're having that walk, just say to your friend, hey, mate, I noticed you've been acting a bit different. Maybe what's going on? Um, and as simple as asking that question what's going on or you know instead of asking are you okay because mm -hmm. people nine times out of ten people are going to say yes even if they're not okay um so let's open the question instead of closing it and open it by starting off what's going on or you know tell the person oh, i've recognized this is, this is what i've seen and this is what i've recognized um let's have a chat about it and, and you know see what we can do together um, to, to help you get to a better place. I like you say that because I have learned from my other therapist. Um, I watch her show all the time. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's um, Iyala Van Zen. It's called Iyala Fix My Life. And she's on the old network. And so she said, call a thing a thing. And that's what I do with my friends. If you do something and it's upset me and I see a change, I call you. Hey, yep. you did this, this, and this. This is how I felt when you did this and this. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Straight, direct. And when I, and I do that thing too. I was like, so how are you doing? You know, you said, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. No, how are you doing? Is yeah. okay? How can I help? And so I've seen, like you said, that I've seen more conversations come up when I ask those questions. And my friends, and they would just tell me, like, this is how I feel, and this is what's going on, and stuff like that. And when you stay around people for a long time, you tend to know your friends who are hard to crack, and the ones who yeah. are easy to crack. The ones that is going to take, oh, my God. Like, you got to pull it out of them, literally. And so I've seen that. But we have come to the end, and this has been great. And for you coming, um, I just want, you know, there are people watching. There might be men watching. There are men watching right now. What is it that you can leave for them for them to understand how to cope with whatever mental health issue they have? 
So something my psychologist has had taught me is there's a technique, it's five by five by five. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but if, if I can um, recognize that I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling depressed, um, this technique I use to try and get myself back into reality rather than in the world of, oh, I'm so sad, this is going on in my life, why is this happening, you know, always having these negative thoughts. So, you know, um, the first thing you would do is you would sit there and you would name five things that you can physically see with your eyes. So, you know, you won't move, you'll just sit there and, you know, at the moment I can see plants, I can see my kitchen sink, I can see my walls, I can see outside my window, I can see trees. So I would name five things um, to, to try and help my brain process the thought pattern that I no longer need to think about um, the sadness or what's going on. I need to think about the here and now. And then um, I, I would also um, say out five things that I can hear. So, you know, I can hear my heartbeat. I can hear the birds outside. I can hear the water. I can hear the wind blow. I can hear the TV going. Like you physically need to say these things. And then as you're sitting there, say five things that you're actually feeling within your physical body. So, you know, I can feel my clothing on my body. I can feel the seat that I'm sitting on. I can feel these earplugs in my ears. I can feel my watch on my wrist, you know, that type of stuff. So it's five by five by five, and you continue to do that until you um, can sense that your body has calmed down, your mind has calmed down, and you're back in reality. So so um, that's, that's one thing that I'd leave with you guys in regards to if you're feeling that you're starting to get high um, on anxiety or depression or something like that, try and use that technique, see how you go with it, and um, hopefully it all works out for you all. And, of course, if you are, if for us who are, you can go on Facebook to Men's Mental Health. Um, there's a Facebook group. You can request to be part of the group. We share our thoughts. We share our minds. We help each other. It's an amazing community. That's how I found Lee for him to be on this platform with me. So I want to say, um, Lee, thank you so much for being with us. I know it's early Friday morning in Australia, and you sat here with us for an hour, and we say thank you. But you can go now and enjoy the rest of your day, but I say thank you for being on this, uh, being here and having this conversation with us. I don't think the conversation ends here. I think we can go whatever way we can, and I will give it up to you. I will be in Australia, and I'm definitely going to come and look for you. <laughs> Sounds great. And and thank you for having me. So I also do have a website, which is www.mmha.com.au. Okay. Um, and with that, you can get um, information on um, coping, uh, coping um, mechanisms. There's um, lots of information on there about who you can contact if you're needing help or support. Um, I also have, um, you know, a donation page and, um, you know, you can, if, you, if you're wanting to purchase merchandise to show that you are part of men's mental health, I've got these t-shirts here, Hello. men's mental health, and I have a little slogan on the back. I don't know if you can see it. It's okay not to be okay. Yep. So there's, there's about 
six or seven different little slogans that um, I put forward to my men's mental health group and these guys are like, oh, I like the sound of this, I like the sound of that. So these slogans I've actually, you know, incorporated from um, the people in my group. Um, so they're not all from me. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm there for any of you guys. If you're wanting to reach out, wanting to chat or whatever, um, hit me up. Well, again, that was it. The website is the website is www.mha.com au. Am I correct? mmha.com.au. Okay, .au. So it's mmha.com.au. That is correct. Okay, so I'm going to put it on the screen for people to see it. But you have an amazing day. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us. And I will see you again. Thank you very much. And I will be talking to you soon. Okay, have a great day. Hey, guys. So, of course, I said this was another episode of Your Conversation. Outspoken Opinionated. We had an amazing conversation on men's mental health with Lee Cohen. He is the director he of the Men's Mental Health in Australia. Again, like he said, his website is www.mha.com.au. We're asking you to go there. You can buy merchandise. You can reach out to him if you want whatever information you need. There is a Facebook page called mental, Men's Mental Health you can be a part of. But this was an amazing evening. We're asking you again to go to YouTube to subscribe. The conversation outspoken and opinionated. We are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, and we are going to get on the Twitter soon, but we're not on the Twitter yet. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Please go to YouTube and subscribe. You guys have an amazing Thursday, and I'll see you again.